one of the main things for me is the launch. Quickness, get your barrel going, and also the efficiency. Those two components are extremely important to me. A lot of players lack in that area. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I am Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us. This episode is brought to you by Baseball Cloud. Baseball Cloud's revolutionary software platform brings to life the numbers captured by TrackMan and FlightScope. This provides colleges, players, and facility owners around the world a turnkey product, allowing them to analyze their data using key metrics and custom visualizations on one intuitive user interface. Go to BaseballCloud.com to find out how you can have your own data analytics department for your program. Data has a story to tell, and Baseball Cloud gives it a voice. In this episode, I welcome Rob Benjamin, a hitting coach in the New York City area and a trainer at Riot Hitting. Rob discusses how to help his players become more adaptable to real game situations, and he also expresses important processes to assist hitters in gaining movement solutions and degrees of freedom in their swings. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Rob Benjamin. Rob, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So Connor Dawson and I are, we've talked fairly regularly. And the other day I was asking him who, uh, as a hitting guy, I should get on the show. And you were the first guy that, that he really recommended. And so I, <laughs> I, I don't know a lot about you personally. And I know I, that I trust Connor a lot. And uh, after some conversations that we've had this week, I think you're a perfect fit for the show. And I, I can't wait to dig in. But for our guests who want to know you a little bit better, can you just you know give us a short snapshot of your baseball background and why you decided to get into coaching? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, first off, it's extremely humbling that Connor would throw my na- my name out there to you. Definitely unexpected, and uh, definitely humbled by it. I definitely appreciate it. Uh, but basically, I, I I grew up in Puerto Rico. I played some little league ball there. Uh, moved to the States at a young age, played uh, in, grew up in New York City, played some travel ball there, uh, high school baseball, varsity ball, uh, spent a year playing juco ball down in Florida, uh, then transferred back up to New York and, you know, completed or, you know, my playing eligibility at uh, a couple of D3 schools in the city. So after a couple of years of playing D3 ball where we won a couple of championships and made pretty good runs, had some decent players, uh, had the opportunity to sign a professional contract in the Frontier League with the Washington Wild Things, uh, where I spent all of, uh, I would say, two weeks. That was my, my professional baseball career, two weeks in the Frontier League. And from there, you know, I basically... You know, I, I wanted to try to figure out, you know, where, where I went wrong, you know, where I went wrong. So my, my journey started right after that. Then I continue on as a volunteer coach at the schools I attended. Basically, my, my college coach was there, a couple of the uh, D3 schools in the city. So I volunteered. This, and this is in the early 2000s, uh, just bouncing around, volunteering at the same time trying to hold a full-time job, going back to school, uh, completing my education. Uh, and then after 
you know, volunteering at some of the D3 schools, had the opportunity to go into travel baseball, and this was right around 2010. Uh, and from there, basically, 2010 to this day, it's just been a journey of trying to figure out, you know, and what hitting is, you know, how to make players better in the batter's box. I love that, and I love that you're continuing your learning every single day, just like I am, and that's the biggest reason why I started the podcast is, you know, we the guys that I have on and, and myself, we all just, we want to get better to make our players better, so... I really love that answer, and let's go ahead and just dig it, dig right in. So day one, say that I'm a I'm a player and I want to come, you know, work with you. And so, what would be some of the first things that you would do, and just kind of walk us through your process? Yeah, so day one, I like to sit down and talk to the player, talk to the parents, basically like a little interview and evaluation. You know, trying to understand who the player is, what their goals are, maybe uh, what kind of experience they had, if they've had any kind of hitting instruction. And for the most part, guys that are players that come to me have had interactions with other hitting instructors, right? So I try to find out exactly who they work with, what they've been taught, uh, and what they what their strengths and what they what their weaknesses are, but really from their point of view, where where they really want to improve, and also the parents the parents as well. I, I really want to get an understanding of what their goals are, you know, their expectations for you know their kids' development. And so once we get through with that, we'll I'll, I'll go over a little bit of what I do and what I look for. Uh, in the way I go about the training, training the athletes, you know, I'll touch on some, on some certain points and then we'll just jump into the cage. And, you know, day one, I basically just tell the athlete, just be yourself. I want to see them swing the bat in their natural habitat, you know, just whatever you've been taught, whatever you've been doing, go for it, shoot. So basically I'm just watching them, you know, whether they need to get loose, whatever their process is. Then, you know, they go and start warming up, uh, whatever their process might be, you know, pre-work, hitting off the tee, front toss. Uh, Then I'll start to gather some video. I'll do some different angled shots. And once I get all the video, everything I need, I'll sit back down with them and we'll go over the video, right? Uh, I'll compare it to uh, professional baseball players, high-level hitters. You know, and and or players that I feel they might have the most similarities, or I might just ask them, "Who's your favorite player?" You know, most kids will say Mike Trout, and I'll tell them, "Absolutely not. We're not doing Mike Trout. That's too easy. <laughs> Give me somebody else." So everybody knows Mike Trout. You know, so most parts like lefties, they'll they'll say, "Oh, Bryce Harper," or they'll say David Ortiz. All right, let's look at David Ortiz. Let's look. Let's compare uh, mm-hmm. your swing pattern to David Ortiz. You know, and from there we start to break down you know what i see uh whether it's you know some strengths some deficiencies in the pattern uh and basically that's the start that's day one absolutely fantastic and so you're talking about some different movement efficiencies but go ahead and and talk to us what that means to you and then you know what what you're doing as far as movement efficiencies and solutions all right so 
one of the main things for me, and it's something that I'm really obsessive about, is the launch. The launch, whether uh, you have the quickness to get your barrel going and also the efficiency of the launch. Those two components are extremely important to me. And I feel that a lot of players lack in that area. Usually they're losing their barrel mm-hmm. or, you know, or, or pushing, whatever the case may be. Maybe they're, they're sliding a little early, especially with young guys. They will have a tendency to get that back elbow going through, right? They've always been mm-hmm. told you got to slot the elbow. So what happens? It creates an efficient barrel turn. So that's the, so I'll focus on that. I'll focus on the launch. And then at the end, I'll focus on their deceleration. I want to see because if, if their bodies can't decelerate properly, that it's actually starting before. They're not going to accelerate if their bodies is not allowing it to decelerate. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Well, tell us about what you guys are doing in, in the off season. And I know that we're right in the middle of, of the season right now in most parts of the world, or at least parts of the United States. And But let's let's reverse revert a little bit back to August or September and walk us through what you would do differently then and what are, what are some of your main goals that you're trying to accomplish whenever you're not playing games every day? Well, my main goal is to make sure that, you know, I, I can help the players create a better motor control, better movements, be able to, to enable them to facilitate them in, in, a, in an unpredictable environment. And it's very difficult in, in the cage setting. You know, I understand how difficult it might be to create that or to, to create that environment that's representative of the field. You know, so I, I try to, to help them create better solutions in the batter's box by uh, basically just, just trying to make it as realistic as possible to that game environment or, you know, that unpredictability. So do you mind, you know, walking, walking us through a little, maybe some practical examples of that? Absolutely. So, okay, so today I was working with a player, pretty good swing pattern. You know, he, he, he likes to talk a little smack. You know, he's very confident. Mm-hmm. So I, what I like to do with, you know, in that situation, you know, I'll, maybe I'll talk to the dad on the side and I'll say, look, let's try to make this as realistic as possible. I'm going to create uh, a difficult environment. I want him to adapt. So not only am I going to be throwing batting practice, you know, location, different locations, varying velocity, curveball, fastballs, but I also want you to chirp at him. I want you to create, you know, a situation where he's uncomfortable. You know, maybe you're telling him to, you know, keep his hands up or to, you know, whatever, you know, usually whatever parents might say in a game setting, mm-hmm. I'm tell, I tell a dad, like, I want you to do this. Let's recreate it. Right. Let's let's try to create some noise around him and let's watch him adapt. Okay. Right, I want to see these players adapt. I really like that a lot. And that's something that that I've actually we're in the middle of in season right now, too. And so we'll go live at bats. And I usually during BP or during batting practice or the batting segment of our practices, we play music. But on the days that we do live ABs, I go to Spotify and I've created a, a playlist of just crowd crowds yelling and crowd like noises and clapping and screaming and and that's a lot of fun the first day that that i did that 
they all looked at me like I was a little bit crazy, but that's kind of the, <laughs> that's kind of the environment that we're going to be in if we're playing as long as we want to and playing against better teams. And if they get used to that and they can tone that out and, and get into flow state, then uh, they're going to be all right. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's important that they're willing to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations, uh, especially if, you know, you're in your season and you're going into hostile territory, you're going into your rival school, mm-hmm. you know, in the playoffs and districts, you know, it, it can be very difficult. So you have to find ways to uh, recreate that environment and in the practice setting, whatever it might be, whether it's music, whether it's the guys talking to each other, you know, whether it's, uh, you as the coaching instructor, uh, sometimes I'll trash talk. I'll, you know, mm-hmm. there's a there's a back and forth there. You know, I'm I'm trying to get into the player's head. I'm trying to figure out, all right, how I'm going to get you out of out of your zone, out of that flow. How can I get you out of it? You know, and if I or if I see that he is consistently barreling up balls, okay, maybe this challenge is not difficult enough. Maybe I need to do something to to knock him out of that flow state. And let's see if he can find it again. Yeah. And so basically I'm, you know, I, I try to do less talking as much as possible, you know, unless I absolutely, absolutely have to, or taking a word from, uh, from Steve Johnson of recognition, being a teacher King, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I want the environment to do it for me, the task, the constraints. For sure. Because then they will learn how to do, how to get themselves back into it. And if we're telling them, then in a game, we're not going to be able to unless we're in the third base coach's box yelling at him every single pitch, which is is anti-helpful. But uh, take us through, you know, let's, we're, we're talking a, a little bit about the in-season stuff, and, and I love this. And But I want to know, and something that I'm going to do this summer is I'm going to go to on-base U, and I'm going to learn their assessment protocol and, and what, we're, what they do for that. But I'm really intrigued by what people do for assessments. So do you mind walking us through part of that process of, of assessing your players and, uh, and how you use them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm looking forward to being able to attend one of the um, base U certifications. I think they're coming up in, a- in April, I believe. They're going to be in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I do right now, it's basically the little things that I've been able to gather on YouTube, right? some of the stuff that TPI puts out, uh, just basically just uh, trunk rotation, hip mobility, T-spine mobility, you know, just simple things that'll mm-hmm. just kind of like let me know maybe uh, internal rear leg rotation. It's really simple. If it, if it gets too in-depth, I'm not, I'm not certified. I'm not a professional. I'll call a buddy up and say, hey, can you look at this player of mine, you mm-hmm. know, can, can you let me know where he's deficient? You know, maybe something's wrong with his scap, you know, his scap's not retracting properly. So little things like that. But the assessment process with me involves mostly the video, mm-hmm. the video along with, you know, some of the movement stuff that I've learned from TPS, uh, TPI online. But it, it's very straightforward, and if I need something more in depth, I'll definitely you know pass it along to the professional, the strength and conditioning guys, uh, physical therapists. Who I, I have a, a great guy that's working next door, you know, and I'm really looking forward to being able to to get in there and learn more about creating a more in depth physical assessment plan. Fantastic. 
Well, while we were talking this week, you've mentioned that you love constraints. And I, man, I, I'm right there with you just because I'm in the team setting and I've got uh, about 30, let's see, 34 hitters every single day. And just being able to set up constraints and being able to let them work through those every single day, it just helps me out so much because it takes my coaching aspect out of it and they can coach themselves up. And we're doing a little bit less now than we did earlier this year. Now we're getting into pitch rec or like decision training and seeing live and different things like that. But it's really helped as far as getting them to understand what the objective is of each individual drill, but also getting them to coach each other on that because one of them may master it and the other one may not. And so they're consistently talking back and forth about how they did that. But I just want to know, you know, what are some of your favorite constraints that you set up uh, when you're whenever you're working with hitters? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I love doing anything with screens, right? Just throwing screens up, uh, allowing the, the the players to create better movement solutions mm-hmm. uh, implicitly, right? Without me having to say anything, you know, just through performing the task. Sure. You know, so definitely uh, putting screens out there, maybe also just some uh, ball drop drills. Also, I like to do something that I really enjoy doing is, is what some a drill I call a gauntlet, where uh, we have two pitchers throwing at the same time from different angles. All right. And now the player has to, and the pitchers are winding up and going at the same time. And, and the player has to figure out, okay, where, where's the ball coming from? You know, so he has to make that decision. He has to create an efficient movement pattern it can create a movement solution and, and adjust, right? He's, he's adapting. There's, there's uh, all types of constraints involved here. Right? You have emotional, you, uh, he's sweating, he's nervous. And so he's, he's really trying to adapt to this very difficult environment and then try to find a way to, to barrel up the baseball. Fantastic. And see, well, I was just going to say, you know, I, something that I also like to do is, uh, some hidden balls, you know, I'll have like a yellow ball and a white ball and I'll hold the glove and, and, you know, just doing some adjustability with that, some decision-making, you know, trying to hit the white ball, trying to take the yellow ball. And at the same time, going at full speed and trying to make, trying to make decisions at full speed without slowing up. Well, that's awesome. And, you know, another thing that I really like, and I think that it's been, hugely beneficial for us, especially with the younger guys, and that's movement prep or mixing in something without a moving ball whenever we're trying to rework different, you know, obviously swing patterns and just how their body works. It, it helps to take the bat out of their hands, and I, I firmly believe in that. But what are you guys doing kind of on the side or, you know, or however you're setting it up, but what are some of your favorite prep work or movement pattern stuff or swing patterns or what, what do you guys have for that? Yeah, so I'm I'm a big advocate of PDC work, T-spine rotations, just feeling uh, the turn of the of the barrel over the PDC, mirror work, dry uh, dry swings. Definitely a, a huge advocate of that. is extremely important, and and I found that you know, and and this is a book from you know just more traditional hitting where coaches like to isolate right free certain parts where more traditional skill acquisition ecological training goes where you're trying to 
uh, move a little bit faster and self-organize where with the PVC, now you're trying to isolate certain parts, okay. uh, isolate certain degrees of freedom so that you can clean up the movement pattern. So I'll do the PVC. I'll have, uh, I use aqua bags. You know, I like okay. using aqua bag, just putting it on the back of a player as he's doing his movement prep work and the, and the water's kind of slushing and moving around and creating some instability. So now it's forcing the player to stabilize it by, utilizing other muscles that he might not normally use uh, and so that he can learn how to turn and move more efficiently. I also like to use med balls during our prep work, just slamming into the wall, holding it, uh, anti-rotational work with the bands, you know, just things that really get them going before they step into the cage. Understand. And whenever we talk about PVC work, that means a ton of different things to a ton of different people. But if you had to throw out your favorite three or four things that you guys are doing with those, what are they? With the PVC, so we'll go, main thing for me is T-spine rotation. So you're holding okay. a PVC over your neck, proper hip hinge is extremely important. And then trying to turn on what I call just two planes, right? So you're trying to not only rotate, but you're also tilting at the same time. You're trying to go through the transverse plane and through the sagittal plane and, and slow and feeling it and, and trying to engage and feel the ground. I like to, sometimes I'll have the boys uh, take their shoes off, mm -hmm. right? So we're going to do this PVC rotation, barefoot, keeping the back heel connected to the ground so that they can feel it and really engage their posterior chain better. Right. Okay. So that's going to help them. Uh, another PVC exercise that I'll do is just uh, your basic hand swivel, you know, just understanding the different swivels and turns of the swing, the pivots, um, whether it's uh, a north south feel or east west and just playing around and using their imagination, trying to get to different quadrants and in the strike zone. And it's extremely important that they learn how to use their imaginations. Great players have great imaginations. So we'll, we'll do that. Uh, and we'll also do the PVCs, different sizes with, with little wiffle balls. Uh, so we'll add that into the prep work. Just I'll flip them to wiffle balls and they're they're in that nose stride stance or command stance and with the wolfie balls just trying to feel the turn right just mm -hmm. focusing on the turn and and since the pipe doesn't really have much weight it's a lot easier it's a lot simpler where they don't feel like they have to muscle up i love that and i'm right there with you and the so the other day we're we're you know i say we're stuck in the indoor we're extremely blessed to have a really nice indoor and it's been, this is Oklahoma weather for you. So this week, uh, yesterday it snowed and today it's about 30 degrees. Tomorrow it's going to be, there's an 80% chance of rain on Wednesday and Thursday, it's going to be 60. So you never know what, what you're going to get in the spring here. But the other day we're, we're in the indoor and we're just trying to liven things up. I just got a whole bunch of tennis balls and I got this really light, long PVC pipe and this really kind of thicker, heavy one that is really like you couldn't grasp the whole thing with, with yeah. your hands, you know, the really thick one. And so the, one of the, one of the stations was, was our, you know, swing pattern work. But that day we just, we tried to hit home runs in the indoor with the tennis balls and the PVC, but if they did, then they had to switch the bat. So every three or four swings, they'd actually get one 
and then they switch the bat and and that was a lot of fun and and the kids i mean the kids love that that kind of stuff so i'm I'm right there with you and i really like uh really like those yeah that sounds like it's a lot of fun and and you're forcing them to adapt and mm-hmm. and adjust to to different environments different fields right because even though the feel of that pipe in different sizes creates a constraint in itself so you know that's that's great and and kids love games Mm -hmm. they love playing games you know so if you can play and you can make practice uh games then they'll really be engaged and they won't realize but they're actually learning they're learning how to create better movement solutions they're learning how to adapt in an implicit manner let me take a few seconds to tell you guys about on base you On Base University is an organization that studies how the human body moves in baseball and softball. They offer certification seminars that teach coaches, trainers, and medical professionals how to assess an athlete's physical ability to perform movement patterns that are specific to hitting and pitching. For example, they just put up a blog post on their website, onbaseu.com, that discussed why hip internal rotation is important in hitting and how they evaluate it with their On Base U screen. If you want to learn more about OnBaseU, I did a podcast with the OnBaseU founder, Dr. Greg Rose, episode 78, and he talked about how he modeled the screen after golf assessments that he created for TPI. They are hosting pitching and hitting seminars in Phoenix, Newark, and Houston over the next few months. I will be attending one soon, and I hope to see you there. Right, absolutely. Well, when you get new kids in and... You know, I'm a high school coach, so we get new, a new freshman class every year. And once we finally start to help them figure out their swing, then they graduate. And so it's uh, we we get a new crop of, of freshmen every year. But what are some of the most problem, most common problems that you see with the kids uh, whenever you first start working with them? And then, you know, on the flip side of that, how do we help prevent these problems, or how do we help these kids solve these problems? Yeah, I mean, one of well, several things that I see, or several flaws that I see in, in players that come with me is one, they're extremely tall. You know, they don't, they don't know how to properly hinge. Yep. Two, they tend to be pretty pushy or their swing patterns pretty steep. Uh, and, and this just, you know, and like I said before, a lot of the kids that come to me have already had prior instruction. So, mm-hmm. you know, these, they've taken thousands of swings, which are, you know, so now they're, their central nervous system is, or, you know, it's pretty tight. So their movement patterns aren't really, you know, fluid. So you'll see tall players steep and across. uh, And those are really the main things, you know, that I see. So from the very beginning, it's it's just about trying to widen those neural pathways and introducing them to, to move a little better. Right. No, I know getting kids to hinge is a huge problem. And a lot of the kids, I, I don't know if you see this, but we, I have a lot of kids that initially they basically just step forward. And I call it just testing to see if the water's hot or cold, you know, where they kind of like basically <laughs> uh, put their toe in and they don't have any sort of like engagement with their, with the ground, with their back leg, and they don't move forward in a balanced position. It's, it's, I, I don't know how else to really describe it other than they're just, to, uh, touching their toe to the, to the front of the, uh, uh, in front of them. And so that's, that's something that yeah. we've been working on a ton, but how do you get them to feel that? And, and what are you doing? 
because I use a weight room as an example, and we hinge a lot in the weight room, and the kids are really good at it. We have a great strength coach, but just getting them to feel it in their swing has been a challenge, or it definitely was this fall. So how are you helping the kids through that? Well, if that is an issue, then the movement work, the prep work with the PVC will focus on on the hinge, will focus on, you know, just isolating that area, you know, and, and some kids, you know, they, they've been so, you know, overcoached that a lot of the athleticism has been stripped from their bodies. They don't know how to move like athletes anymore. Everything's just so robotic. So I'll, we'll focus on that. And especially with the little guys, young guys, 10, 12 years old, I'm trying to create a foundation of intent. And that's also an issue that I see with the younger guys. They're afraid to hit the ball hard uh, because it's it's always been told to them, you know, just put the ball in play. Mm -hmm. You know, so they don't know how to move athletically. They don't know how to look to do damage. So we'll focus on just the prep work with the PVC, the hinging. We'll start really slow, uh, just with like some smaller, lighter bats, uh, turning through and maintaining their their hinge as they turn through the hitting window. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, we'll do some just implicit exercises, just to, some target stuff to just get their body moving. Oh, I love that. Perfect. And so on top of that, so we're, we're going to go ahead and uh, while you're on the subject of your youth hitters, you know, how do you, what, or what are the differences in teaching your younger guys and your college and pro guys? And obviously they're bigger, stronger, faster, and uh, a lot different mentally, but what are some of the different and unique challenges you see between coaching kids of all ages? Yeah, I mean, there, there's always a challenge, whether you're working with, uh, with a 10-year-old or a professional player. The 10-year-old most likely doesn't really understand how to move properly. He doesn't have the strength. He doesn't have the coordination. So I'm, I'm trying to, you know, train two things at the same time. I'm trying to isolate certain patterns, certain movements, while at the same time trying to train him to be athletic, all right? Where the older kid, and, and also with the younger guys, I, I try to, it's important that you create a, a basis, a foundation of trust, right? So that they can talk as little kids, you know, they're really shy. They don't want to talk. They're, they're shy. So I, I want them to try to communicate with me exactly uh, maybe what, what they're feeling or maybe not even what they're feeling because that might be difficult for them. But what is the ball telling you? What do you see? What that ball, what did that ball do? Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, I'm just trying to get them to open up a line of communication uh, and also getting the video involved so they can see. Because the little guys, if they can see, uh, they're very visual, and that way they can learn. So we're, there's a lot of video involved with the little guys. With the older players, college and, and professional, uh, they're, they're really all about their feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually when I get uh, a college guy, for the most part, I might not even need or even a program, we might not even need to work on the swing itself, right? It's really just about getting them to move better. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, you know, they're, they don't have enough posture, you know, which creates a, a, a swing that comes across. Or maybe they're just not, they don't know how to 
turn the barrel properly. So the barrel stays a little too high and it comes a little bit steep in. So just getting them to create more of a, of a rearward turn of the barrel. But it's not necessarily a full swing overhaul. But basically with, with the older guys, it's really about moving better and, and getting them to understand their fields. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, getting them to understand their fields means being able to uh, speak their language. So understanding or getting them to uh, verbalize what they're feeling and putting it into some context for you. And then for me as coach, if they need a quick reminder, like during a game, whenever we can't sit and talk for five minutes about what they see, maybe we just give them their cue, their internal cue that they talked about to us during practice. If it's something similar uh, to the problem that they were having, is that, is that kind of what, where you're at? Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, definitely want to, you know, some athletes are, you know, they, they want, they want to feel, they want to be that, they want to have that internal component mm-hmm. to their swing and other players are more external. They don't like to think about it. Right. So then this is where you're doing the implicit drills, you know, so they don't have to think about it. Uh, and their their bodies are just self-organizing. You know, a lot of guys don't don't want to think about it because then they slow down, they get too robotic. So it, it really comes down to understanding who the athlete is and, and you know, what they're about and, and building trust, connecting with them, being able to relate, you know, to athletes regardless of their background, you know, understanding where they're coming from and where they want to take their swings or, you know, their ability to, to create those movement solutions. Where do they want to go? So, you know, that's really the foundation of what I do is, is that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's extremely important. And, you know, I find if you're able to do that as a coach, then you can really get to the cross of what the athlete needs and where he wants to go, what his expectations are. Sure, that's got to be the foundation of of everything that we do, I think, and that way we know we know what their goals are, then we know how to how we can help them through those. And so we're flash forward to in season, and the closer the season's gotten, and now we're right smack dab in the middle of it, the more that we're that our group is training decision making and training adjustability. But let's stick on the second one, and then we can go into some decision making drills or or some things like that, and see where that takes us. But the other day I, I was trying to verbalize, you know, timing and how do we coach it? And it's, to be honest, it's not very easy to be able to coach it's it. <laughs> I mean, and just trying to verbalize what we're seeing and, and how we're feeling. And it's really, really hard to do. And other than, you know, changing the environment and changing speeds and having, having them adapt to it. But if the kids are asking you questions about it, it's again, it, it's really not easy. So what are some practical ways that you help train that? So in the cage environment, uh, with timing, I'll do uh, where the athlete is moving back and forth, right? Just different, different, I'll put maybe three or four plates and I'll have him take some swings further back. And then as he continues to barrel up baseballs, he continues to move up. If he doesn't barrel the ball up, then he goes back. And then again, we have to try to find consistent barrel in order for you to continue to move up and to get closer to me. So that's that's one way that I like to work on timing. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way 
might be uh, pitching machine. I'm not a big fan of the pitching machine just because it doesn't provide that sensory component to sure. the athlete where, you know, they're, the release point, the noise. So basically the, the, the player is relying on, you know, a beep or a light, but I'll, I'll use a pitching machine, you know, just so they can try to time up velocity. Or, you know, while I'm doing that, I'll, I might put something to cover the light. Mm-hmm. Right, so they can't see the light change. They don't know when the ball's coming. So now you have to try to, you know, be quick with your turn. So you try to time the ball as it's just coming out, just seeing it out of the shoot. Yeah, that's really tough. And again, the the time of the year that we're in, decision making is paramount. And 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 so we we talk about it every single day, and several different stations uh, regarding that. And I, actually, every almost every station that we're that we're doing now has a decision component to it. And this is the way that I teach it. And I'd love to hear your version of it, but we don't train to swing. We train not to swing. And so we're swinging until we decide not to. And that's, that's helped the kids a lot because they're not, they're not timid to swing and trying to have that indecisiveness beforehand. Now they're just, they see something different or they see something that's wrong with the pitch or they see something that's funky with the pitch and then they just shut it down. But what are some ways that you got that you're helping your kids make better decisions and, and training that in practice? Yeah, definitely. Uh, one of the things that I think I mentioned it before is just two balls, right? Mm-hmm. Understanding, making a choice, right? And and I I really just I try to get my athletes to make one choice, have one choice in your head, and you know so that there isn't you know okay, is curveball coming, is mm-hmm. fastball coming, it's going to be away, is it going to be inside, right? I want them to make one choice, hit the baseball, focus on the fastball, right? So you're swinging from the time your foot comes up off the ground. It's, it's a yes all the way until you decide to shut it down okay. right at the end. But the swing starts as soon as the foot comes off the ground. There's no other decision other than you're swinging, you're mm-hmm. going. Oh, fantastic. You mentioned earlier that you uh, like to compete and you uh, set up some different competitions, but just go all in on that and, you know, throw out any, any of your favorite drills, competitions that you like to do. Okay. So one of the competitions I like is I'll, I'll go on, on the mound and I'm just challenging the player. I'm throwing, I would probably say maybe about 50 feet or so, Mm -hmm. uh, pretty good velocity. And I'll put, I'll put a ball on, say, a tee behind them, you know, whether it might be a dodgeball, if I can get it to stay still on yeah, the tee that's a problem. or, <laughs> or a softball. And I'll tell one, you know, I'll tell the kids, okay, if, if I hit that ball, you, you owe me whatever it might be push ups sure. or, you know, you have to go run mm-hmm. or, you know, you lose a turn, you know, the next guy's coming in. Right. So you don't let me beat you. Don't let me beat you. Or we'll go, okay, I want you, let's maybe sit on fastballs. Fastballs in a location. Or we'll just sit location. Right. Don't let me beat you in that location. Right. I put anything in that location, you go. Everything's on green, regardless of the velocity, regardless of the spin of the ball. If it falls in that location, you are to go. If you take a pitch in that location, you're out you lose your turn. Mm -hmm. So it it gets very competitive, especially in a group setting when you have players in there and they're talking to each other Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're trying to focus. 
So, you know, that that's definitely one of the, the things that I like to, to do with the players, just compete. And I, I try to beat them, you know, and, yeah, and, and I like to see how they react, you know, how they're reacting to, you know, me striking them out, you know, and, and these things, this is where they really start to adapt and they start to learn and you start to see what the characteristics are of the player emotionally, physically, you know, you really learn a lot. Sure. And you mentioned earlier that you are you do an initial assessment and so do you guys continue to do that and you know what type of tech, tech do you use and what do, what are you guys tracking? Yeah, un- unfortunately right now I'm where I'm at we don't have the technology. I've been it, it, I've been on them to try to get, you know, some tech, get me a hit tracks, get me uh one thing that I absolutely love is uh, getting a K-Bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really want to learn how my players are moving, you know, sequencing. Uh, but right now I don't have that, you know, afforded to me. So okay. I, I have to just be reliant on, you know, just movement pattern and, and adaptation and uh, just external focuses. I understand. And you also talked about video several times in our conversation, but if you were say you're sitting down with with a kid and you guys are going over some video of maybe a major league player you know what what in your opinion should we be paying attention to well like i you know and i mentioned it before is the launch that launch is extremely vital because it's it's the whole swing right the the swing is once you launch that barrel it's i mean either your launch is efficient and it's it's on track you have a nice clean arc or Something happens immediately. Right? Mm-hmm. There's an error in there, in that launch, that causes everything else to just kind of slowly break down. So the launch is the main thing and, and something that I'm obsessive about. Also, the the loading, just watching how the, the player is loading and, and getting into and getting into a tip, getting into a scap, making sure that it's you know it's continuous and there's no pauses and loading into the proper places and not you know pushing the the hands too far back where it's it's kind of like a back and forth instead of it just being a a nice fluid uh, continuous pattern mm-hmm. and i know that that you're a guy that's continuing to learn and you've talked about that especially in the very front part of our podcast about how you're wanting to fix some of the problems that you had and so is there something that you've learned lately that's gotten you really excited yeah, um, something that I've learned, I, I would probably say the trying to figure out how players learn with respect to the stable components of their swing. You know, and it was really interesting because uh, a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week, recently Bregman put out uh, a video where he's discussing what he needs to feel in order when he's swimming, when he's training. You know, and he spoke about these flashlights. You know, so in his mind, the way I see it from an ecological standpoint or skill acquisition, he's trying to freeze his degrees of freedom, right? He's trying to stabilize and isolate certain movement patterns because he feels they they just get in the way. Mm-hmm. Right. So one thing that I've really started to focus on and, and try to read up more and, and, you know, try to see if my players are doing this is do they 
have too many degrees of freedom are meaning are there are there joints too fluid and you know just creating you know an abundance or or some of them are just redundant where they have to figure out how to get rid of those degrees of freedom by uh, isolating them or you know is it okay to have hundreds of degrees of freedom or dozens of degrees of freedom and just being su- uh, super hyper mobile very athletic and is this going to be the best way for them to find movement solutions so that's really something that i really started to you know learn about just uh the attractors of stable components uh whether their the degrees of freedom are redundant or abundance of them that's really where you know something that i'm really looking forward to in the future Right. And it seems like, you know, those guys that are doing it at a very high level, they all have they all have extremely different feels. And it, it's really interesting that, you know, we, we talk about some of the things that that we wouldn't teach, but they're thinking and they're coming up with some of the best swing patterns in the world. And so uh, the thing that I always go back to is Pujols talking about how he's, you know, taking the knob to the ball and swinging straight down and and I'm like, you know, sometimes guys, it's it may not be what we say; it just may be the filter that we see it from. And is that kind of what you're talking about a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's important that you know we find ways to to bridge the gap between all this information, whether it's modern and traditional. Some guys need to feel uh, down to the ball. Some guys need to feel the knob to the ball because this is what's going to help them create their movement solution, their their way of moving the barrel most efficiently, right? Some guys need to think up to the ball. I've worked with, with professional players where they need to think, okay, I need to get my trunk moving up because they've always, they've always been so steep mm-hmm. and, and downward, you know? So every player is unique. You know, every player uh, brings their, their limitations, uh, the way they learn, the way they retain, the way they perform, the way they master movement patterns, it, it's unique to everybody. So now it's important for a coach uh, and a trainer to really understand what that specific athlete needs. You know, so, okay, we can focus on certain isolated movement patterns, right? We can stabilize that. And then also let's see how that player is going to be able to to retain this information and how this player is going to be able to self-organize. Mm-hmm. And then again, like we mentioned earlier, being able to communicate that. So the next time that we do it, we may can just say that and it may trick them into just going right back into what they told us they were doing in the first place. So Jedi mind tricks, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you definitely want to, you know, try to get the player to, to understand the movement and, and make it, you know, their own, mm-hmm. make it their own so that they don't have to think about it. It's just part of their movement solution. Sure. Sure. So what is something that you guys are doing or something that you are doing uh, on just a daily basis or a weekly basis that your players just can't get enough of? And, and something that basically that I can steal from you that I know that when I implement it, our players are going to love it. Uh, I would probably go with, uh, you know, just, Especially, I mean, it might be really fun if you're doing it on the field, just two L screens on the side of the mound, on each side of the mound. Maybe you got a lefty going from the first base side, you got a righty going from the right from the right hand side, and just kind of coming across. And you know, of course, you need 
coaches that are pretty accurate, mm -hmm. but I, I found that that's something when I do this, you know, it, it's pretty exciting. The players are excited for it. And, you know, you just, you see them really try to make the adjustment and, you know, as they're creating uh, solutions and adapting, they're also trying to, you know, create efficient, you know, and stable movement patterns. You know, so if you implement that or you could do it in a cage, same thing, just two coaches or, you know, you could do it with front toss as well. Just at the same time, players don't know which side is coming in and just forcing them to adapt. Very cool. Well, you, uh, you've taken us through uh, basically an entire year of player development, a ton of different competitions, and we've talked about movement patterns a lot. But I want to know, what are your, some of your favorite resources that you've learned from that you've really you've solidified your theories behind what you're, what you're teaching and, you know, just throw out your favorite resources, books, people, you know, anything that has helped change your coaching career. Yeah. Um, I, I would like to think that my learning process is continuing is continuing. So it's not really solidified, Absolutely. but I get some of the books that I really, I've really learned a lot from obviously the, the, the main one dynamic skill acquisition uh, constraint led approach by Keith Davis and company that's like, you know, right at the top. And from just listening to your podcast and Rob Gray, this mm -hmm. seems to be like at the top of everybody's list. So definitely that one. Um, Nonlinear pedagogy and skill acquisition is another big one for me. And, you know, one of my hidden gems, and this is something, uh, this is a book that I read back and I was probably say seven years ago back in 2012 and I consider this guy you know probably one of the most influential uh people in my development as a hitting instructor as a coach as, as a trainer is uh Kyle Wagner's green light hitting from the backyards to the big leagues it's an amazing little book uh I don't even know if it's still available mm -hmm. you know but really everything that we're talking about today and skill acquisition and having an e ecological approach, a dynamic systems theory, uh, Bernstein, Kyle spoke about this stuff seven years ago, mm -hmm. you know, in this That's little crazy. tiny book. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's a systematic approach to train players of different levels, you know, from from little dudes and creating intent to the older guys and degrees of freedom. So that book, Greenlight Hitting, if it's still available out there, uh, definitely go out and get that. You know, and if you're able to get Kyle Wagner on there on, on your show, I definitely recommend speaking to Kyle. He's been extremely influential in my development as uh, as coach. Uh, another book that I absolutely love, uh, Talent Code is great. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rise of Superman, mm -hmm. fantastic book. Something that I've recently started reading, Game Changer by uh, Fergus Conley. Mm -hmm. I recently got it, so I've been kind of dabbling back and forth, just jumping from page to page, just kind of skimming through it. And and I just recently finished Outliers. Okay. Outliers is a tremendous book uh, by Malcolm Gladwell, and and I kind of feel that we're in we're in this outlier uh, time in baseball. You know, I feel that there's, there's a certain generation and, and you see the guys that are going in uh, into professional baseball and they're, in, I guess, in my opinion, they're outliers, right? They're, they have the, the opportunity, 
they they have the the know-how and they kind of fall between you know within that age range you know that to me these these are this is the outlier generation and these are like the dudes that are just starting to get into professional baseball whether it's the guys from driveline or you know parker and dawson mm-hmm. you know so outliers is a really interesting book i definitely recommend it i'm right there with you and so i put my son to sleep most nights of the week or i'm trying to more often just because we are working through dynamics of skill acquisition and i will say that <laughs> it, it doesn't take him very long to fall asleep whenever we start it but it's definitely a good learning experience for me i've i've tried to uh it's a very heavy read and a lot of those books that you've mentioned that, that I've gotten, I've gotten to go through, and and they're all really, really good. Uh, and I, I just picked up Fergus's book a little while ago too, so that may be second on our list. But but anyways, no, let's definitely go out and and pursue those. And I love that I said solidified earlier, and you said that you're continuing to pursue that, and and that's something that that I really I can get behind for sure. But. Rob, I appreciate your time and, and thank you so much for being with us today. But if anyone wants to find you online and, and maybe get in touch with you, how would they do so? Well, first, thank you. I really, I really enjoyed it. I really appreciate it. Uh, if anybody wants to get in contact with me or reach out, they can reach me or they can email me at rob at riothitting.com. I'm also pretty active on Twitter and Instagram, or at least I try to be. Uh, as active as possible so they can definitely try to reach out but the best way is is email email sometimes uh you know my my inboxes my dms get you know pretty crazy and you know usually when i when i get home i like to focus on my boys and a, a lot of what i do with respect to skill acquisition i actually have a four-year-old that that I'm learning a lot from, and it's fun, you know, watching him. So when I get home, I like to spend some time with him and watch him develop. He's obsessed with sports, and he'll throw up a uh, baseball and swing, and or you know, hit off the tee. So I try to focus on my family when I get home. But you know, if they can reach me through email or through Instagram, you know, that definitely I welcome that. Well, perfect. Well, I'd just like to open up the mic for you. And is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Um, just one thing is just, you know, continue to, you know, pursue different goals, right? Continue to to look for challenges and obstacles and, you know, situations that are uncomfortable uh, and, and embrace failure. You know, with, with the failure, you continue to learn. You continue to retain the information and, you know, just not only is it, you know, you're trying to acquire the skill, but you're also adapting, you know, so definitely, you know, just continue working hard and look for information, seek information. There's so much information out there, you know, so whether it's coming from me and, you know, and this is something that I tell the people that I work with, uh, don't take what I tell you as, you know, the word, I want you to go out there and fact check me, go online, uh, look at video, uh, see what other people are doing, what the professional athletes are doing, and then make your judgments based on that. Not just my information. I don't, you know, I'm not the teacher King. I don't want to be that guy. So, you know, just really continue to search and, you know, try to get as much information from as many sources as possible. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. 
Before you go, I'd love to be able to get in touch with you, and we have several different ways of doing so. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AOTC underscore podcast. You can join the AOTC Coaches Facebook group. And if you want to be a part of the mini clinic emails, both of those links are listed below. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review to help others find and stay ahead of the curve.